Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Acacia Covered podcast brought to you by CapFed True Blue, our corporate sponsor here at Acacia Covered. And uh, once again, coming at you this week, uh, Brent Maycock, along with Mac Moore, Scott Pask, and Ricky Peterson. And you know, after hitting you about every single week here for a month straight, we, we gave you a break last week, but we're back at it uh, strong this week to wrap up. Um, a preview are the end of our uh, fall sports championships. We got uh, a couple to wrap up uh, titles and then look ahead to the state football championships this weekend. So we'll start with the last ones that just got finished. Uh, we had unified bowling compelled last week here in Topeka and garden city captures its first ever uh, champion state championship in unified bowling. And it was a, it was a very competitive competition. They changed the format this year. To where the special needs bowlers bowled six of the 10 frames and in past years they had bowled a little bit less and so they put a little bit more emphasis on the special needs bowlers being the main contributors to state this year and it really made for a, a wild competition it was back and forth all day there were about seven or eight teams that were all in the hunt at one point and garden city finishes with an 856 series uh to beat western athletic conference rival liberal by seven pins for the state championship and then olathe west was third and they were they were just 11 pins out of first. And you had the top eight teams were all at 800 or more. Uh, Garden City with an 856 to, to take the title. Liberal with an 849. Then you go down Olathe West with an 845. Lawrence an 832. Chanute 828. Blue Valley North 823. Goddard Eisenhower 808. And Casey Piper an 804. So really, really tight competition there. And I, you know, I was talking to the Garden City coach, Kip Nichols, afterwards and he was stunned. He was totally stunned that they had won. He didn't think they had really bowled that well, but uh, they came through with a really big game on the last uh, on the last game of the six game series that they bowled, and uh, and that really pushed them over over the edge and and gave them the victory. So congratulations to Garden City on capturing its first ever unified bowling title. The program's won boys and girls state titles in Class Six A uh, in past years, and now they add the unified bowling to kind of complete the triple crown. Uh, aspect of state bowling and so uh, another outstanding unified bowling season more and more programs joining the mix for unified bowling as it just continues to grow in popularity and i think we'll we'll see that even more in years to come and then uh last weekend while uh while we were having state football semifinals and the sunflower showdown on saturday uh mixed in was some cheer and dance state competition the state spirit uh game day competition and mac was over uh, getting all the excitement and and jube and and all the energy from all the cheer and dance teams and Mac, uh, how was that this weekend? So yeah, uh, Friday was a long day for me. I started out with uh, going out to to game day dance showcase, and then uh, by the evening was out at Blue Valley uh, Southwest versus Mill Valley, which turned into an all time classic. So. Uh, Got a little bit tired, had to wake up and then go out to the cheer uh, showcase the next day. But uh, definitely worth it. It was fun to, to, to see the great performances out there. And, you know, just starting with uh, game day dance. And I guess I'll do it slightly in the, the order that we saw it with the small classes first. And uh, essentially uh, we saw a couple uh, back-to-back uh, winners for 4A and 3A, Topeka Hayden, 
just uh, secured the 4A title while Rossville uh, locked up the 3-1A crown, giving them both back-to-back titles. And then as we move to the big classes later in the day, uh, Olathe Northwest uh, ended up winning the 6A title, uh, not a back-to-back, uh, but they did previously win in 2020 in Blue Valley Southwest. Uh, ends up winning 5A for the second straight season. Uh, And then it was pretty cool that evening getting to see uh, Blue Valley Southwest dance team get uh, honored for for, uh, winning that uh, out at that Blue Valley Southwest Bill Valley game. Now, it wasn't uh, fun all the way through for the Timberwolves, obviously, with that finish uh, that we'll get to. But uh, definitely a, a big moment for that Blue Valley Southwest dance team. And then uh, the next day, having that cheer showcase, I assume there were some, uh, particularly with the, uh, the few of the teams that still uh, had their football teams in there, they were probably pretty busy uh, out there cheering on Friday night and then getting out there, but uh, still very lively performances uh, all across the board. And uh, Starting out, uh, Hayden, which had won the dance title, they also won the 4A cheer title, ending Paola's two-year run atop that class. Uh, Rossville won the 3A title and uh, Care Paraval uh, won the 2A title. Both of those programs clinched a three-peat. And if you uh, start putting it together with Rossville uh, dance, uh, you can see pretty dominant program uh, looking at what they have been able to do over the last uh, five years winning seven titles across cheer and dance and you know you can see that those results uh, impact uh, the the fans they bring with them because man oh man do they pack that Stormont Vale event center in Topeka uh, it is loud and rowdy and that's not j- just from uh, the the cheer team, uh, you know, they, they make noise and they make sure you can hear them from anywhere in there, but also uh, their fans, they must bring everybody out from Rossville and, and, and get them to make that trek down the road to, to, to Topeka because uh, their fans are louder than you can compare it to any uh, team that has their fans uh, that, are, that are actually in Topeka um, and, and they don't compare to, to what Rossville uh, ends up bringing in so that's always a very fun environment to, to, to see them and obviously it kind of plays into each other you know if, if you got those fans doing that and and you have the great performances from those teams uh it just makes it you know pop a little bit more and you know i i don't know how much the judges take that into consideration but uh clearly it's worked out for rossville uh, over the last five years and uh, you start looking uh, a little bit of the the upset down in 1A, Northern Valley. Uh, you know, I, I think I saw their team and maybe a couple others uh, when they heard Canton Galva named as the, the, the first of the six finalists uh, as they're giving out awards, uh, that being last year's 1A champ. And, and uh, you know, Canton Galva has been a, a force there in 1A cheer. Uh, so uh, a lot of teams excited, and then when you get to the end and Northern Valley's name is called, uh, you know they went uh, pretty crazy, and they were the they had the distinction of being the only champion across both cheer and dance to to bring home the school's first game day showcase title from from either competition. Uh, you know uh, other programs that either won in cheer or in dance, and and 
or, or you know we're getting two peats as we mentioned a lot of repeat winners northern valley that's the first for either their cheer or dance uh you know to, to to have that and 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 make that history that's pretty cool for them and uh as we move up to the the bigger classes mill valley uh you know won the uh, class 6A championship, uh, and that one was interesting because, uh, you know, I mentioned Olathe Northwest winning in, in, in dance. Mill Valley was going for the four-peat in dance. They don't get it there, but they do win in cheer. Uh, and then St. Thomas Aquinas uh, captured the 5A crown for the, the second straight season. So those are all the winners we have out at game day cheer and dance showcases uh, from from the weekend and, and uh, you know, congratulations to all of those but it was definitely very fun to be out there and and, and to, to to see them in that and in, in environment to see it really just become uh, each year becoming uh, a, a bigger event and 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 yeah they uh, looking and seeing that fan section this year was pretty cool as well absolutely congratulations to all the cheer and dance teams i brought home state titles and congratulations to all the teams on great performances i've been out there i was out there uh, two years ago the first year we had Keisha covered and and got to uh, got to experience it and yeah there's there's a lot of energy that runs through that uh runs through that building when those teams are out there performing and their fans really get involved and and uh, they had, I think they had like a new fan section set up this year to to really energize the the teams and the crowd. So uh, you know, it's become a bigger and bigger and and uh, bigger event for for Keisha, and and it's something those teams really enjoy and and really do well at. So congratulations to all our state champions from the Spirit uh, Spirit State Championships, the Game Day Cheer and Game Day Dance, and now football is the only one we have left to crown state titles for uh, this fall. And boy, semifinal night did absolutely did not disappoint. Uh, I thought going into semifinals, this might have been one of the best overall years just in terms of having high caliber matchups all across the board. You know, it really wasn't a whole lot of uh, Cinderella stories making it deep into the playoffs this year. I think Ricky probably saw maybe one of the few Cinderella stories in South Central and he'll talk a little bit about them when we get down to eight-man division two. But across the board, I thought we just had incredible, incredible matchups, uh, and and it made for a great semifinal night. And typically, we start with class six A and work our way down. And but I thought maybe we start with the best game of the of the semifinals. But I'm not sure which one that was. There were so many good games when you had last second finishes in six A with with Derby. Uh, knocking off Washburn Rural in 5A. Mac alluded to the Blue Valley Southwest Mill Valley game that came down the final play. But let's start with the the game that just kind of kind of just sends the waves through the through the state. It did the first time they played this year, and it did again on Friday night. Uh, it's Andel Cheney. We had Andel Cheney 2.0, and if the first one was outstanding, the second one, you know, you look at sequels. Uh, it was pretty close to uh, being just as good, if not better, Scott. Yeah, really unbelievable. It, it was uh, uh, just an incredible atmosphere. Uh, you know, I think the three A level—that's—that's—that's that's, that's a level where the whole community, or both communities, when you get to this this far, the, both communities just shut down. I mean, it's the you hear the joke about if you want to rob the bank, this this is the time to do it. Well, that was that was this Friday night. Uh, Cheney and Andale just filled the uh, filled Cardinal Stadium in Cheney. Much anticipated rematch. It was one that we thought was going to happen back in October when Cheney. Uh, came back with that stunning 36-30 overtime victory over Andale, uh, ended their ended Andale's 57-game winning streak. Uh, it 
it just everything pointed toward a rematch. Now, to Clay Center's credit, last week in the quarter or last week in the quarterfinals, they almost made it not happen by uh, taking Cheney to the final final seconds before Cheney escaped with a, a last second field goal. But but yeah, getting back to Cheney Andale 2.0, just a, a great atmosphere. And I think what what was amazing to me is you know Cheney ends up winning the game 28-24, and the way it played out. Uh, I think it's it's you know whenever you get a, a teams that play each other twice. Very seldom does the the do the games m- mimic each other. Uh, I've never seen anything where where so many of the turning points kind of matched from game two to game one, and that's kind of what happened uh, uh, Friday night. Ando gets out to a uh, just a blazing hot start. Uh, quarterback Sam Harp uh, hits Bo Kaiser with a seventy-four yard touchdown right out of the gate. Uh, Ando gets another stop and scores, and then. Cheney misses a field goal and Andale goes 74 yards two plays later and it's 24 nothing early in the second quarter and and uh, you just had that feeling oh boy this you know Cheney's Cheney's run is is really in jeopardy here Andale looks sharp they look great uh, this game could be 50 to nothing and then Cheney Cheney did what it did the first time they put together a great drive in the second quarter uh, went 20 plays, and that was really kind of an indicator of, of how the rest of the game was going to go. Cheney ended up running 80 offensive plays that night. Andale only had 39, and those ball control drives really helped Cheney. Uh, you know, it, it took them a while to get the get the lead back, but but it allowed them to chip away. Uh, Andale lost a fumble, uh, had a fourth down penalty, roughing the passer penalty. Things that things just kind of added up to to. To helping Cheney get back in the game, and then Cheney had a, just an outstanding performance. Uh, uh, you know, from from uh, uh, wide receiver Jackson, both caught 19 passes, which, uh, according to Kansas Sports Hall of Fame records, that ties the state record for single game uh, receptions in a game. And and uh, uh, just a just an incredible comeback. Cheney scores with a touchdown pass to Gavin Moss uh, in the fourth quarter to go up 28-24. Uh, gets gets the final stop, and and you just you just sit there thinking, my gosh, this is this has happened again. It, it is, you know, Andel is such a great program, but Cheney has done this to them twice now this season, and that's uh, that's going to be just a lingering, lasting memory for me for this season is how Cheney was able to to finally crack crack through against Andel's and and Andel and its outstanding program, get them once and then get them again when when you knew Andel was going to bring uh, bring the kitchen sink at Cheney, and they really did. It was just a great. Great football game, and, and as you said, Brent, just uh, you thought you had the game of the night, but I I flipped on the radio uh, driving back from Cheney and was listening to the highlight show on on uh, WIBW in Topeka, and you quickly realized, hey, there were there were a lot of other games out there uh, Friday night that were outstanding, but but uh, just kind of wrapping up Cheney, I did have a chance to talk with uh, their outstanding senior wide receiver Jackson both plays linebacker for them as well. Uh, both broke up a, a fourth down screen pass that set up the game winning drive uh, for Cheney and and uh, uh, he's just outstanding kid and and we had a chance to visit so here's a here's a visit with uh, Jackson both. All right, this is Scott Pask with Casey Covered, and I'm here with Cheney wide receiver Jackson Both after Cheney defeats Andale 28-24 in the 3A semifinals, earning the Cardinals their first trip to the state championship game. And, and Jackson, I'll start with that, just to get to that, to, to break through that barrier for, for Cheney. Uh, what's that mean to you and this team? 
you know, it means everything. I mean, you put that goal on the board after um, after we lost last year in the playoffs, and, and, you know, that was a goal through the whole entire offseason. You know, that's what we said. We want to go win state, and to see all the hard work really pay off, it's amazing. Job's not finished, but it's amazing to be in this position we're in. Well, and you, and you do it tonight against a team that you rallied from a 22-0 deficit. Yeah. I mean, the four, four-time defending champions in 3A. And just to tonight, you guys fall behind 24 nothing. Was how how similar did this feel to that that first meeting with them? You know, it felt very similar. And going into the locker room, you know, we're fine. We always say we're a second half team. Now, do I wish we were a first half team? <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, we went in there, and there's no hanging heads. You know, because we know that we're resilient. We know that we've put in too much time and too much effort. And also, uh, we put our faith in God. So, and we, and Colton McDaniel is the greatest leader with our faith he tells us everything you know and having him and us believing in something bigger than football i think god really put us under his wing here and we trusted in him and he gave us um our dreams well you guys are obviously on a season of just so many unique things you you get to come back against andale in october last week it's looking pretty bleak against clay center after a a, kind of a bad break Mm -hmm. you you fall behind in the final minute come back and pull it off tonight you're down 24 nothing come back is there is there any destiny kind of thing at work here with this group you think or i i honestly i don't know because like because my birthday is on the state championship and you know we this is something we've dreamed about and i just feel like at the i remember at the beginning we walked at the very first day of weights we said something's different here this is a state championship team and i honestly feel like maybe there is a little bit of destiny yeah i don't know well, you're down 24 nothing tonight. What what got it going for you guys? I mean, what was it? Was it that late first half touchdown? Was it just? I mean, was it a series of breaks tonight or anything that really stood um, out to you? I think it's our defense. You know, mm-hmm. there's no bigger confidence boost for your offense when your defense shuts down a team that's been scoring on you. You know, when we got that first stop, I think momentum switched because then we showed ourselves it's possible to shut them down. And then our offense comes, we are, what, did we score in the first half, right? Sco- yeah, oh, yeah, we scored on so 20 we, play we drive. knew we yeah. could score. So yeah. I think that getting that first defensive stop really sealed it for us like we can do it. Well, you had tonight, I know you had scoring drives of 20 plays in the first half, mm-hmm. a 14-play drive to start mm-hmm. the second half. You did it with kind of a unique way. Usually those yeah. drives are done through, mm-hmm. with a run, but but obviously Cheney's a little different animal with, yeah. with the offense that you run. Were you just, with the passing game, can you just kind of tell me why that is so, why, why that works so well? Um, so they were playing us man usually, and I just feel like they kind of left the field open to us. And they're so fast, so well coached, that like when you catch a three-yard slant, that's all you're getting. You're getting three yards and four yards, and in a game like this, you have to take that. You have to be okay with that. So it's just kind of like getting three yards on the ground, but we're just doing it through the air. How much does it add? Does it add a layer to, to what you guys are accomplishing to do it against the team that's won the last four 3A titles? I mean, is that obviously there's there's one more to go, mm-hmm. and I understand that, but but to get it done against Andale, how much does that add to what what you guys are accomplishing here? It adds a lot. You know, they have a, they're a great program, phenomenal program, phenomenally coached, and you know, like good job to them for the past four years mm-hmm. that they've won. So yeah, coming in this game, you know, it's a little bit bigger. It feels a little bit better. So there's definitely a layer added to it. Cheney goes ahead late in the game on a 15-yard touchdown pass from Josh Burdick to Gavin Moss. And then I'll just ask you what was going through your mind when, when you saw Gavin getting into the end zone. Let's go win this ball game. You know, <laughs> let's go get a defensive stop. Um, Gavin stepped up huge this year. That dude, like, is an all-state college receiver on any team, our team included. And for him to step up like that, I was just I was happy for him, happy for our team. And I was like, let's go win this ball game. Well, there's something special going on here at Cheney, and, and we thank Jackson Voth for his time. Jackson Voth.
helps Cheney win tonight against Andale 28-24. They'll play Topeka Hayden in the state championship game Saturday at Hutchinson's Gowan Stadium. Good luck to you, Jackson. Thanks. Thank you so much. Do you know what the score of that game was? Um, And again, an outstanding player in Jackson Both. He'll he he'll be playing for a, a state championship on his on his eighteenth birthday. So that's pretty cool. Uh, uh, just a great story with Cheney making it to to its first state title game and and uh, the three A game between Cheney and, and Hayden should be should be outstanding. Two unbeatens. Yeah, and I got to catch uh, Hayden's uh, win over Holton going into the in, into the championship game for them. And uh, Finn Dunshee was somebody we talked about. He'd missed some time this year, came back on a limited basis in the quarterfinal game against Parsons, came back in a big way in, uh, in the game against Holton, takes the first carry of the game, 65 yards to the house for the touchdown. Any questions about uh, how much that knee injury affected his speed? Uh, he pretty much answered on that play just cut it around the left side and he was gone and there was nobody was going to catch him. And he ends up having a big night scores four touchdowns for Hayden on the night, uh, three rushing and one receiving and, and uh, Hayden really dominated that game early holds Holton to three and outs on their first two possessions. They get touchdowns on their first two possessions. It's 14, nothing before you can even really take a look at what's going on. And so uh, Hayden really dominated that game. They're back in the title game for the first time since 2016. So we'll have undefeateds in in the Class 3A title game in both Cheney and Hayden. And it's one of several matchups we're going to have undefeateds in. But before we get to some of those other ones, we're going to go back up to 6A and kind of go down the, down the classes uh, starting there. And then Class 6A, it was uh, – one semifinal was a blowout, and the other one was a, a nail biter. And in the end, we have Gardner Edgerton is going to take on Derby. Uh, both teams are eleven and one. Gardner Edgerton advances with a thirty-five to three win over Blue Valley. And you know, Mac Blue Valley had had a heck of a run in the postseason, but Gardner uh, Gardner laid the defense in that one and really uh, really denied them uh, getting that Cinderella run complete to the champ championship game. Yeah, and I I think there's like a. a you know, kind of this badge of honor or this way of looking at uh, how good this Gardner-Edgerton team really is. It is uh, looking at how they played against Blue Valley. And uh, obviously uh, defense, uh, you know, just was so impressive to take down Blue Valley. But also I watched uh, that Blue Valley defense just lay it on against a very talented Olathe North team the week before. And it didn't seem like they had really any answers uh, for what Gardner Edgerton brings to the table. I mean, uh, you start early and I mean, it looks like Blue Valley through the first quarter, it's 3-0. They have, they, they've been able to uh, at least dominate time of possession, uh, aren't able to get the touchdown, but get the field goal. And first drive that Gardner Edgerton gets going, uh, you know, they just do their triple option play action where, uh, you know, it reels in the defense. At most, one safety notices that Colter Ho Colton Hawkinson is running deep, uh, you know, on a streak route, and they turn around to go with him. Little do they know that uh, Shoemaker, uh, a little-used tight end, uh, is going to do a wheel route and be wide open down the sideline for a 23-yard gain. And then, you know, uh, probably three plays later, uh, I think is when they end up getting that touchdown with Powell just doing uh, maybe the dirtiest spin move I've seen 
uh, just it, it just slow motion for a second, and then he goes full speed. Uh, in this era of the tush push, where you want him to just dive up the middle, uh, Powell knows that they're gonna throw everything they can at that middle to stop him, and uh, is perfectly fine with sideswiping you and go the other way and and running in. And uh, you know he has a, sim- a couple similar plays to that later on uh, to to set up a score. But really it's seen, uh, you know, uh, the next scoring drive, they go uh, out to Singleton, who's uh, out wide, one cornerback, no safety over the top, and he just throws it to him. And and I'm pointing these plays out specifically because uh, when he hits Singleton for this touchdown to to get them uh, uh, up 14-3, I mean, those are the pass plays that I don't think we saw at all from Gardner-Edgerton last year when they were able to uh, march their way into the uh, state championship game on that rushing attack. But, uh, you know, if if you're doing well enough to even slow down that flex bone, like, all it's going to do is leave it for Powell to be like, all right, I got Singleton, I got Hawkinson, I got a whole slew of guys that I can get it out to. And so it's so hard to stop all the options that they have. And then uh, even worse, then the defense comes into play because after Singleton scores that touchdown, uh, very next uh, uh, play for for Blue Valley, uh, it's just a 10-yard comeback route that uh, Christopher Ayala throws and Singleton uh, sniffs it out, picks it off, takes it to the house, uh, our 30-yard pick six. And you know, uh, at that point, the game's pretty much over. And when, when you have that complimentary football happening and you have players like Singleton uh, that, you know, is able to play that well on both sides of the ball. And then, you know, uh, part of that defense is uh, Mark uh, Dibiak just constantly uh, causing havoc in the backfield. There's going to be very few teams that can, you know, one, slow down what this Gardner-Edgerton offense is doing, but two, be able to put up points. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Derby, with all their speed, are able to come in and be able to keep up with that offense and, and be able to actually get some points up on this defense because very few teams have done it so far this year. Yeah, Derby, obviously a team that's used to being in this position. Uh, you know, the Panthers in the title game more years than not uh, here lately over the last decade, and especially since uh, Brandon Clark took over the program. And, boy, it took everything they had to get there on Friday night, Scott. Uh, I, you know, I was crossed down over in Hayden and, and trying to monitor it, and it looked like Washburn Rural uh, kind of had this one in hand. You know, they're up 28-13 in the, in the fourth quarter, and, uh, and they just can't quite close the deal, and Derby just does what it does. It finds a way to win and get back to a state championship game. Yeah, Derby's uh, had a very charmed November, shall we say. And, and stop me if you've heard this storyline before for, for the 6A final. Uh, you got Gardner Edgerton uh, uh, coming into the game. Great run here in the, in for Jesse Owen, second title game in three seasons. And now you're going to play against a team that's got a, uh, a veteran coach with his son, the senior quarterback. Uh, seemed like that happened last year with Manhattan uh, against Gardner, or Gardner Edgerton, and, and this year we've got Braxton Clark, uh, Brandon, Coach Brandon's son, who's having an outstanding senior season and helped kind of engineer that comeback. He passed for over 300 yards against against Washburn Rural, and and uh, you're right, it, it did look pretty bleak for for Derby, uh, you know, in the second half as they started to fall behind, but. Uh, really had things going with uh, Colt Rudy, the wide receiver for Derby, has really played well the last two games. He had a great game against Manhattan, uh, came uh, came back and, and had a big game with three touchdown catches against Washburn Rural. And, and uh, you know, Derby 
gets within 28, 26 and has a, has a chance to, to take the lead and, and their kicker, Grady Jessup, who kicked the game winner against Manhattan. Well, he, he pulls a, a 25 or I think a 23 yarder and uh, with under two minutes remaining, you think Washburn Rural is going to escape. And, uh, but Derby's defense uh, kind of did what it did against Manhattan. They needed, you know, it, it took a lot longer at Manhattan to get the stop they needed, uh, but they got it this time against Rural with their, with their three timeouts, got the ball back, uh, got in posi- position. And, and Jessup, who, you know, who was big man on campus after the Manhattan game when he kicked the game winner and w- was in line to be the GOAT uh, against Washburn Rural, he gets a second chance and, and bangs the, the game-winning field goal through. So, uh, you know, senior Grady Jessup, uh, uh, you know, a guy who does was probably a little used when it came to kicking field goals because uh, Brandon Clark says, I, I just don't like kicking a lot of field goals. Well, it's it's saved – it has saved Derby's season here and, and – uh, uh, got them back to the title game for the ninth time in 11 years. And, and uh, so they should be pretty comfortable uh, up in Emporia, at Welch Stadium. They, they've been there before. Uh, it, they're having a charm season, like I said, with the, uh, with the head coach coaching his senior son at quarterback. And, and Braxton Clark, who missed a few games this year with a lacerated kidney, has played really well in the playoffs. And they've got some weapons. And, and uh, I agree with Mac. It'll be interesting to see how they can – uh, you know, if that if they're able to maintain that balance, because they do have a good passing game uh, with Deshaun Brame and, and Colton Rudy, a good running game with Derek Hubbard, who's rushed for over a thousand yards. So they've got the they've got the tools to, to put together a, a good mixed offense against Gardner Edgerton. But you're right, a very stout, very stout trailblazer team that they'll see uh, on Saturday in Emporium. All right, so that's eleven and one Gardner Edgerton versus eleven and one Derby for the Class Six A state championship game in Emporia, and then in Class Five A, we've got Mill Valley going for another state championship. Uh, the Jaguars have won four straight and looking for number five. And and uh, Mac, uh, just to get there, boy, it took everything the Jaguars had this year to get back to that state championship game. Yeah, I, I still don't know what I watched on Friday night. I'm still trying to figure out what happened. Uh, you know, that was a, a game where I think early on, you know, you kind of uh, watch this Blue Valley Southwest team on offense start a little slow. They got down the field and got a field goal, but, you know, they, they didn't quite turn on the firepower and, and, and Mill Valley ends up scoring uh, two quick touchdowns to go up 14-3. And so it was just kind of, a, you know, a big swing in, in Mill Valley's direction. And uh, even as Blue Valley Southwest, uh, Dylan Dunn is starting to uh, just consistently uh, find uh, Alex Parks and, and Tate Everard in the uh, passing game, throwing downfield and just, I mean, just these perfect passes because it wasn't that these receivers were open most of the time. Uh, he had to put it through some tight windows and he got it done. But uh, each time they scored, Mill Valley would score too. They'd have, uh, you know, and they'd go much faster. It would be these really methodical drives for the Timberwolves. And then all of a sudden, Mill Valley would reel off a 66-yard touchdown. It'd be either Tristan Baker taking off or it'd be Daniel Blaine, a quarterback, taking off. And it, it was just going back and forth. And it wasn't really uh, until late in the second quarter uh, that uh, Blue Valley Southwest started to get some stops on defense. And then on offense, they just kept kept clicking, kept going, because they were down 
35-17 midway through the second quarter. And, uh, you know, they end up getting two touchdowns late. They uh, have a two-minute drive, or actually it was probably a minute and 20 seconds left on the clock when they start going, and get down the field and, and just run out of time. So they had to settle for the field goal. But they end up getting it back to 35-34. It feels like it's Blue Valley Southwest momentum. And that looks even more like what's going to happen when uh, on – one of the first plays uh, out of the break as Mill Valley has the ball and wants to go score to uh, expand that one point lead out to a touchdown. Uh, Tristan Baker ends up getting injured uh, and and is down on the field. Uh, you know, you could tell pretty quickly that he, w- he wasn't coming back and he won't be out there on Saturday playing. Uh, but uh, to lose that player who has been, you know, their top rusher, their top, uh, you know, receiver in yards uh, all season. And to have that point be Blue Valley just uh, ends up scoring two sh- straight touchdowns. It ends up being uh, 30 straight points for the Timberwolves going into the fourth quarter. Uh, it was hard to imagine Mill Valley making a, a comeback without Baker out there. But, you know, they buckled down and, and Daniel Blaine gets them one touchdown early in the uh, fourth. And uh, they they end up, uh, you know, watching Blue Valley Southwest just start to uh, chew up the clock, which it's it was pretty fun to watch D- uh, Dylan Dunn uh, go into a uh, – a situation where they want to burn clock and he's still throwing the ball. Uh, there's some runs with Drake uh, Dembrowski to, to, to get some yards, but most of the time uh, he's fighting a guy beyond the sticks, throwing it to him, picking up the first down, but they're just uh, milking up every, every second of that uh, play clock. And it looked like it was going to work until blue uh, mill Valley puts them, uh, you know, in a, a fourth and short uh, uh, there in, in scoring territory. And uh, I thought they were calling a timeout and we're going to send out the kicker, but they end up taking one more shot. think they can get the first down to ice the game. Uh, mill Valley gets the stop. And as they start going the other way, I mean, uh, even that was, was crazy to watch Daniel Blaine uh, just want the ball. He told coach every time he went to the sideline, like, Put it in my hands because, uh, you know, uh, he, he wanted to be the one that uh, with the game online got it done. And there was one close call as they got uh, on third and uh, goal. Uh, he ends up scrambling out to the left. He thinks he has more time than he does and uh, gets pulled down by a Blue Valley Southwest player. And if you look at the replay, it looked like maybe his knee hit and should have been down. There was only three seconds left, so that would have ran out the clock. Blue Valley Southwest would have won, but the call was uh, incomplete pass as he throws it at the the last second. And uh, with one play left, I mean, Daniel Blaine definitely was going to be the guy. He takes off to the right, and uh, it's supposed to be a pass, but he sees a lane. He takes it. He ends up diving through uh, two Blue Valley Southwest players that tried to close in on him right at the goal line, but uh, he ends up sliding in, and uh, he – Turns over, raises the ball up, and all of a sudden, uh, there's probably about a hundred Mill Valley players on top of him because it wasn't just the players on the field, but everybody from the sideline. And I don't know if you've seen Mill Valley, but man, they have a pretty big roster for a 5A team. Uh, everybody was out there celebrating. The the crowd came up real fast, and uh, it was just a, a a crazy moment and a crazy comeback. Uh, especially with just the situation they were in and all of the momentum being on Blue Valley Southwest side. But uh, Daniel Blaine and, and Mill Valley end up getting the job done and uh, keep the hopes alive for that five-peat. And their opponent in the championship game is going to be Cape and Mount Carmel getting back there for the first time in quite a while. And it's got to look like they were going to cruise in, into the state championship game. And then Eisenhower 
uh, had some had some other thoughts and really made that uh, a great uh, semifinal as well. Yeah, not really not a surprise the way Eisenhower's played this year, and you know maybe a surprise they fell behind forty two seventeen, but but not surprised that they they made one last stand to, to try to salvage uh, you know the best season that they've had in their twelve year history. Uh, you know they they settle for a ten and two finish and and really a great run by the Tigers and uh, what you know what kind of put them behind the eight ball was is what Capen has used to put teams behind the eight ball all season. They use the outstanding senior tailback uh, Omari Elias and. And uh, Omari's, you know, he's he's been a name we've talked about for for three years, and just an outstanding player uh, for Capen. Uh, really a workhorse. I mean, he's in the perfect system for a, for a running back who wants the ball. Um, you know, Omari is who's going to the Air Force Academy. Uh, Weston Sharts loves to run the ball, and and uh, they do what they do. And it's a, it's a, uh, I talked to Weston the other day about this, and he said, you know, what what we're about is we're okay with getting four yards of play, and, and they will ride Elias that way all night if they have to. Uh, he said a lot of coaches get impatient if they're not getting 10 or 15 yards on a play. So we, we're not that way. We're, we're content with moving the sticks, and, and they've used Elias just a bunch. He, he ran 43 times for 259 yards against Eisenhower. Uh, had 51 carries against Great Bend in the in the playoff uh, game a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know comes into the state championship game with 363 carries in in uh, on the season. So that's you know, that's just an astounding number for for any tailback to to have that that many carries. But uh, he's part of a senior class that I think the the Crusaders have really pointed to as being being the one that was capable of this. A lot of these kids played as sophomores. Uh, two years ago, when they made it to the state semifinals, and and uh, Mays and Avery Johnson ripped their hearts out with a, a last-minute drive and a two-point conversion, uh, beat Cape in 22-21. So that that senior class almost got to taste this two years ago. Uh, so I think it's it's kind of fueled their fire. They they took a step back last year, lost some close games, and and finished I think five and five. Uh, but this team is it was kind of built for this. They've got a a lot of experience. Um, you know, Dylan Hamilton is is a, a good quarterback, a good complimentary piece to to Omari Elias, and and uh, Henry Christman at fullback is his. You know, he when he gets the ball, he makes good things happen too. They've got a really good offense. They've scored at least thirty three points in every game, and it'll be interesting to see if they can they can maintain that uh, pace against against Mill Valley, who you know will brings just solid units on all the time to the to the state final. So uh, we'll see. It's a uh, uh, you know, Capen's first trip to the state final since they won their last state title back in 1987. Some cool storylines. Their their offensive line coach Chris Bloomer played on that '87 team, and and uh, uh, Weston Sharts said, "I wanted Chris on my staff. He's a good coach." And, and well, Chris just happens to be the principal at Capen, so they've got the school principal as an offensive line coach. That's a, that's a pretty unique thing. Uh, it's been a storybook season for Capen. Uh, you know they're they're the latest challenger to to the Mill Valley throne and and we'll see we'll see if they can get it done in Pittsburgh on Saturday. All right, so that's your Class Five A matchup: uh, Mill Valley ten and ten and two against Cape and Mount Carmel eleven and one. And in Class Four A, you have St. Thomas Aquinas, and they will be taking on Andover Central. Both teams go into that game nine and three. Aquinas uh, goes out and dominates its game. Against Tongan Oxy wins that one 42 to 14, really in control from start to finish there. And then Andover Central gets a little revenge on Wamigo, who beat them in the playoffs last year, uh, goes up to Wamigo and knocks off the top seed in the West 26 to 7. And Mac, uh, 
Aquinas gets Gianni Rizzi back, and that's a big piece for them. And uh, they they showed a little bit of offensive life uh, in that game against Tonganoxie. Yeah, and I would say the the one thing though with Rizzi is he's back, but he's not a hundred percent. And I think the way that uh, Coach uh, Randy Dreeling uh, uh, described it is uh, basically he's not going to be a hundred percent. He's not definitely not by Saturday. And if you watched uh, some of the highlights, I went and looked uh, on NFHS network to, to, to see how those happen. And uh, you know, he gets a eight yard rushing touchdown early. And then uh, his next one, I think it was a 19 yarder, which I don't know how it happened. This is how good the Aquinas blocking is. Uh, He only had to make one defender miss, made him miss, went in untouched uh, on a 19 yard touchdown. But you could just see that the hamstring uh, he was just hobbled and he was running as fast as he could, but, uh, he was not able to get to that gear that I've seen him, uh, get in previously. And so that's going to be, uh, always something that's difficult, but they also have so many other guys. They were able to go without Rizzi and then also, uh, losing, uh, Kalen Art, uh, early on, uh, both were in that rockers game midway through the season. And, you know, since then, you know, they've been able to just find different guys, uh, that they can put in there to just kind of, uh, be able to, to, you know, get the job done as long as they block uh, enough. And, you know, also having Aiden Skinner as the quarterback, uh, somebody that doesn't have to throw that often, but uh, has been able to to make some big plays when he has to in the in the passing game. But mostly, uh, he just puts his head down and and, and picks up yards for them. And uh, you know that's a a group that you know can can do enough, particularly with how good that defense is. And that's what they've hung their hat on all season. And that what they'll continue to 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 focus on with uh, guys like Key and Payne. Uh, back there for him and and just able to uh, be able to to cause havoc in the backfield guys like Wyatt Potter at, at linebacker who leads them in tackles and is just constantly wherever you see the ball carrier taken down it's either by Wyatt Potter or he's right there uh, on the play and uh, you know that's just a handful of guys you throw in a guy like Kylan Curtis as a sophomore who uh, is jumping in when you can pair him up with Payne uh, they Pain's a, a proper name for what they bring to opposing offenses. They bring a lot of pain to these guys. Uh, and and if they play the way that they play, they're hoping uh, that that will be enough and in, in that, you know, whatever uh, limitations they have on offense right now with all those injuries uh, won't stop them. But, you know, uh, another, uh, you know, uh, key point from, uh, from, from Aquinas is looking at, uh, you know, going up against Andover Central, they've been facing a lot of these 4A teams, and we've heard a lot about, you know, uh, Aquinas is too good to be facing all these rural schools and 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 to have these uh, schools that are facing other, you know, these are a bunch of Frontier League opponents or, you know, things like that. Well, Andover Central doesn't have that problem. They're not just facing a bunch of small schools. They face big schools throughout their regular season and they've got themselves prepared. So it's a little bit different than normal going up against this Andover central team. So uh, Aquinas is, is definitely uh, aware of that and going into this game has to be concerned that uh, they, they got some big boys over there for Andover central as well. Yeah. Andover central, definitely a, a battle tested team. All three of their losses this year have come to class five, a competition and Scott, you know, they're, they're like an every other year team. They, uh, you know, if they like, they like odd years cause they, they usually make it to a state championship, uh, when it is an odd year. And then this year, you know, they, they 
kind of survived that three-game losing streak they had there uh, midway through this season and really have, have uh, played well and, and beaten some good teams here in the in the playoffs. Yeah, a great, a great performance against Wamigo. I think that was kind of a, one of those scores that you heard Friday night. Thought, oh, okay, I didn't see that one coming. But their defense, uh, they, you know, they came into the season with a good defense, and and uh, so not surprising that that defense would be a difference maker for them in a, in a big game like that. They really, they really neutralized Wamigo's offense, forced some turnovers, uh, and and just kind of controlled that game at Wamigo, which uh, you know. There's been a lot of teams here over the last couple of seasons that have gone into into Walmigo and, and not had much luck. So that's that that's a nice feather in their cap. And yeah, you're right. Uh, every other year into the state finals, this will be the their third time under uh, Derek Tuttle. Uh, the odd number year. Derek and I were talking the other day, and it, it's it's back when Brett Saberhagen was having good years and winning Cy Youngs, and then uh, he'd have a bad year with injuries, then he'd come back with a good year. That's kind of what Central's got going right now. Uh, every other year. Is, uh, has been a good year, and, and this one will uh, give them their third trip to the finals in, in five seasons. Uh, it didn't go well. Uh, you know, in Coach Tuttle's first year, they ran into a really good Bishop Miege team and, and had a rough day, uh, uh, you know, back in the 2019 final. Uh, had a really good senior group in 2021, in, in 2021 and just could, came up a little bit short against St. James Academy, some turnover problems that day. Uh, so, but the this is a new cast of characters and, and uh, really a group that's playing well. Jace Jefferson, uh, the junior quarterback, has uh, you know, played very well. He's, he's, he's kind of had some up and down. He's thrown 11 interceptions, which I think is, is probably maybe a little bit concerning for Central, but he also has 24 touchdown passes. Uh, good, real good rapport with, with his wide receivers. Uh, Brant Stupka and Jace Adler have, have both, uh, uh, you know, both around 800 yards receiving. So, Good targets there, and then Mason Archibald has been a has been a good running back for them with the, with over twelve hundred yards this season and seventeen touchdowns. So so Central's got some weapons, uh, a good defense. Uh, they're used to playing the, the 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 heavyweights from the from the East in the final. Uh, the age St. James Academy and now now Aquinas, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, they they did a good job of, of recovering from that three game losing streak, like you mentioned, Brent, and, and have played really well down the stretch and. And uh, we'll see if that momentum can carry over uh, on Saturday. Absolutely. So we got nine and three St. Thomas Aquinas versus nine and three Andover Central in the Class Four A state championship game here at Hummer Sports Park in Topeka. We've already talked about the Class Three A game down in Hutchinson, where we have undefeated uh, Hayden against undefeated Cheney, and then Class Two A also has a pair of undefeated teams. When you look at uh, defending champion Nemaha Central. Uh, they have now won 25 straight games and making it back to the state championship game. Uh, they beat Sabetha 17-7 to last week in a rematch of the regular season finale that they had dominated 28-0. Uh, they got down 7-3 in that game, uh, come back and, and get the victory over their arch rival, Sabetha Blue Jays. And then Nemaha Central will take on Hoisington, which now this will be the third straight undefeated team Hoisington has faced in the playoffs. They uh, they faced Southeast Saline uh, two weeks ago in the quarterfinals, knocked them off, and then beat Norton in the semifinals last week, thirty to twenty one. And and uh, you know both these coaches, uh, Michael Glatzik, Zach Baird, have done just tremendous jobs with their programs. Uh, Hoisington under Baird has just been a, a just a consistent powerhouse. Uh, you know they have just one one state championship appearance. During that time, but it seems like they're always in the conversation to be in that title game. And this year, uh, you know, they've they've just been they've been a very strong, very dominating type football team. And and they got a really good test against Norton last week. Uh, that game was tied 
uh, late in the game before uh, before Hoisington goes out and gets the W there. But Hoisington, um, you know, they've they've just they've just been very good all season long. And any test that that's come their way, uh, they've they've been really good. Uh, Tony Moore, their outstanding quarterback. Uh, he's thrown for nearly 1,500 yards and added almost 850 on the ground. Uh, they got Taron Kraft, who's rushed for over over, 50, over 1,100 yards. And then they've got a D-back, uh, Jason Robinson, who's had eight interceptions, two of which he's returned for touchdowns this year. And so the their ball-hawking defense is uh, very good. Problem is that they won't see a whole lot of balls in the air when they take on Nemaha Central. Uh you know, Nemaha Central, there's no secret what they're going to do. They're going to line up. They're going to line up behind that massive offensive line they have led by Holden Bass, Abe Gilbert, and Josh Gonzalez. And then they're just going to put the ball in Carter Hike's hands and, and let him go. And, and Hike's just had an outstanding sophomore season for Nemaha Central. Uh, he's kind of kind of like Omari Elias, where uh, it's pretty much the ball's in his hands almost, almost every time. Uh, he doesn't quite have as many carries as, as Omari does, but 303 is still quite a bit, especially coming out of the quarterback spot. Uh, he's rushed for 2,165 yards, 39 touchdowns this year, also thrown for 930 yards and 10 scores. But, uh, you know, it, it, this is going to be power on power. Uh, you know, both teams are very big. Both teams are very physical football teams. And uh, we might get out of there in about an hour and a half, the way they, they these two teams like to run it. Uh, I think Hoisington will throw it a little bit more than 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 uh, Nemaha Central will, but uh, you know that's kind of how that's how Nemaha Central won that title last year. They got up to state and they felt like they could just line up and and be the more physical team against Kingman. Now I think Hoisington provides a different challenge, just because I think Hoisington is also an extremely physical team. Uh, Caden Hoffman on their offensive defensive lines has has been a, a great starter for them, and I think uh, you know I think it's a it's a power on power matchup and. What may lend itself a little bit to Nemaha's uh, favor is that that's exactly what Sabetha was too. They were a monstrous team. They might even be bigger than than uh, Nemaha Central was across the board uh, with the Grimm brothers, both of them right there around 300 pounds, if not bigger. Um, and, you know, Sabetha had huge size and loved to pound the ball as well. And so uh, they've, they've seen a lot of that. You know, they played Holton and beat Holton. Holton's a similar team, you know, line up, run it down your throat type of team. So, so Nemaha has seen those some of the best in the state at doing that. So it'll be interesting to see how that game goes in Salina with Nemaha Central going for its second straight title, Hoisington going for its first state championship in Class 2A. In Class 1A, uh, we got got some new blood here. Uh, you know, last year's state finalists didn't make it back, and this year we've got a first-time uh, finalist in Jefferson County North. They knock off previously undefeated Pittsburgh St. Mary's Colgan, uh, twenty to thirteen in their semifinal, and they will take on Conway Springs, uh, which got past their their semifinal against Medicine Lodge, uh, thirty-nine to fourteen. And Scott, you know, looking at Conway Springs. Uh, you know, we've kind of talked about these workhorse backs in Amari Elias and Carter Hike, but uh, there, there's another workhorse back in Conway Springs as well in Braden Coons. Yeah, you know, we talked about it. Elias is a name we've been talking about for a few years, and, and Braden Coons is another one. And uh, he's playing at a program. There, there's just these programs around the state, the Smith Centers, the Holtons, the, the Conway Springs. They do what they do, and they're going to do it every year. They're going to do it very well. And, and uh, when you've got talent like Coons, to, to, when you've got a workhorse, you know, you can ride like that. 
uh, it just makes that system flourish even more. And they they've they've been running that uh, the the single wing uh, type offense uh, since Mark Bliss had so much success for them back in the in the early two thousands. And and uh, Coons this year is is has run for over twenty five hundred yards. And uh, they got out of the gate a little bit slow. They played you know the, some of the the top teams in the in the Central Plains League. They opened with Garden Plain and, and Kingman. Lost those games to go to zero and two. They were zero and three last year and made it all the way to the state semifinals. So, uh, you know, the the slow start hasn't been something that's that's shaken this team the last couple of years. They've come back and, and played really well and uh, kind of got back on their feet with a you know kind of a hard fought win over Medicine Lodge, who was having a dream season, and they end up playing Medicine Lodge again last Friday in the in the semifinals and and uh, uh, in both games zero passing yards they did it all on the ground and, and had great performances from coons and, and isaac winter had a big game uh ran for a touchdown and scored on a kickoff return those two guys really are are, are, are big offensive threats for for conway springs and and uh uh you know it, conway springs is one of those programs that it, it's been a little while not a long time not uh you know they even have won a title under matt beeler uh, won their last title back in in 2011 and uh, but that's been the last time they've been in the championship game. So, so uh, you know, 12 years since the champ since the championship game appearance for Conway, but it still feels kind of like uh, uh, you know a, a nice old pair of jeans or an old sweatshirt or something. It's a comfortable thing with Conway Springs. That's a good program. Uh, it, it's a very consistent program, and and really not a surprise that they're they're playing again for for a state championship. And it'll be interesting. You know, you, Braden Coons is going to get the ball Saturday. We know that much, and it'll be interesting to see how much success he's able uh, able to to put together against Jeff County North, who's who's you know as, as established as Conway Springs is as a power. This is kind of new territory for Jeff North. Absolutely, and you know, I was I was kind of starting to do my preview with Jeff North last night, and I, you know, I looked up their their road to the playoffs. Uh, they they beat Centralia, they beat Olpe, and they beat Colgan. And the, and when you talk about the eastern half of the state in Class Two A, Two One A, and then now Class One A, those have been the teams that have dominated. Twenty one of the last twenty six years. One of those three programs has played in the state championship game from the east side. So cracking that that crew has been tough, not just for Jeff North, but for everybody. St. Mary's did it twice. Troy did it twice. Each one of those teams got a title. Um, and, then you know, it just, it just doesn't happen very often. And so for for them, them to go and do that uh, was a huge one, especially they get down 13 nothing on the road last week. And, you know, you get down 13 nothing to Colgan. Chances are it's not going to end well for you, but they they weathered the storm and they they used their ball control offense to really limit limit possessions for Colgan in that game. Uh, they got a big turnover on Muff Pond after they had scored a touchdown. Uh, they go down and, and take a bunch of time off, get a touchdown there to go ahead, and then they get a game game clinching touchdown later in the fourth quarter after another really long drive where they just they just kept the ball out of Colgan's hands, and that's what you have to do because Colgan has some great players in Tucker Harrell and Cooper Simmons, but Jeff County North, you know, they can line up and they can be physical with, with everybody that they play as well. They're very big up front with RB Tweed, uh, one of their outstanding linemen. And then they've got three guys in the backfield that have just really produced well for them this year. Grady Knoll, Ethan Knoll, and Connor Cairns. All three of them have run for at least 830 yards. All three have at least 14 rushing touchdowns this year. So it's not like you can just pick one guy and say, okay, we're going to stop the guy that guy this night. And it's going to work out for you. No, they've got three guys in their backfield that have, have really produced this year. And Grady Knoll, not only has he run for over 1,000 yards, he's thrown for over 1,000 yards, has 28 total touchdowns. 
Um, their defense has been good. Connor Cairns, we talked about the ball hawking defense of Hoisington. He's got nine interceptions this year, taking two of them back for touchdowns. Their defense has numerous, numerous uh, defensive scores for them this year. And Jeff North just has really had a great year. Their only loss came to St. Mary's 34 to 18. And uh, when I was over at the St. Mary's Colgan, uh, Colgan game uh, a couple of weeks ago, or last week, I guess it was, you know, I was talking to uh, St. Mary's AD over there and, and he said, you know, we felt pretty good to get out of that game against Jeff North with that W because that was a really good football team and, and dead on. I mean, they, they've come back and they, you know, they shut out Centralia, they shut out Olpe, uh to get to the semifinals. And then they, they have a shutout second half performance against St. Mary's Colgan. So Jefferson County North under Jeff Schneider, uh, first championship game ever. And so the chargers will be really excited. They take an 11, one record into that game. Conway Springs goes in 10 and two, that game will be played out in Hayes. Um, for the state championship there and then dipping down to the eight-man ranks another matchup of undefeateds in eight-man division one we have defending champion wichita county comes in at 12 and 0 and they take on linden which is 12 and 0 and these two have been number one and number two in the rankings all year long and ricky uh you know wichita county was our state champions last year and they look uh, every bit uh, the the team capable of going out and getting another one this year with how they performed. Yeah, they just picked they just picked up their twenty fifth consecutive win. Um, you know, I think the big question mark for them heading into the year was replacing a great quarterback in Eric Hermosillo. Uh Wyatt Gardner, who's just just a heck of an athlete, a really good wrestler. He's done a really good job at quarterback. And like you said, they haven't they haven't missed a beat. I mean. It, it, to me, I mean, I saw them early in the year. They look like the same old Wichita County. Um, you know, the big concern with them was in that third game of the year against Hoxie, uh, Chris Hermosillo, um, really good running back, really good uh, uh, defensive end. Um, he uh, he injured. He got twisted up his knee in that game and missed the rest of that game, and then missed missed the next two games. So um, you know, obviously that was a major concern. Um, you know. They were able to get some younger kids some carries in in his absence, and they, you know, they kept rolling. And now he's back playing as well as he ever has. A just you know, really huge performances in the, in these playoffs. I think he has a pair of over two hundred yard rushing games. Um, you know, the thing about Wichita County, and we've we've talked about it before. That just that ultra aggressive mentality. I mean, they they don't punt. Uh, they go for onsides on on every uh, kickoff. Uh, you know they force turnovers. Uh, you know you you've got to you've got to limit your mistakes against them, or you're you're not going to have a chance. I mean, if you start turning the ball over and and not getting these uh, onside kicks, I mean they can just put you in a hole so quickly. Um, you know, really good. You know they probably get overshadowed a little bit, but they got a really good line play in uh, in Christopher Michelle, uh, Ma- Max Whitman. Uh, just not a, not a whole lot of weaknesses there. Um, you know they've they they're going to be the more experienced team. Obviously, they've been in three of the last four championships. Um, you know, looking for for their second straight. Uh, you know, it's, I I I. I really think they're. I think they're the favorite, but obviously, you know, Lyndon Brandon's had a heck of a year, and uh, you know, Tanner he- Tanner Heckel was quite an addition for that group. Yeah, absolutely. Lyndon's had a, had a remarkable season, and they're another program making its first ever state championship appearance. Uh, you know, the program dropped down to eight player two year. To, last year was their first year playing eight player football after being in eleven man power. Uh, you know, they 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 had great teams there for 
for quite a while just could never really get past Olfi and some of the Centralia and some of these other teams uh, that always kind of block their path like they like they blocked everybody else's path in Class 1A. But Linden drops down to uh, eight-man last year, has a good year. But then, yeah, you get you get Tanner Heckel, and, and I had somebody say he's just a cheat code, and that's kind of what he is. I mean, he's just – He's just one of those guys that whenever the ball's in his hands, whether he's on offense or getting it on defense, he's got a chance of taking it to the house. You know, Wichita County is the highest scoring team in eight-man football with 742 points this year, but Linden's not that far behind, 681 uh, for the for them for the season, and they've only given up 144, so they're only giving up 12 a game. Really only been pushed once this year, and that was a, a game I saw caught him against Chase County where they really had to fight and scratch and win that game 38-34. to 34. But other than that, uh, they've just been dominating. You know, they've got a Division One lineman, uh, Caden Massey, who's a, one of the state's best discus throwers. He's committed to Kansas State. Uh, his cousin Jalen Massey has been an outstanding running back and has kind of been overshadowed by Tanner this year. But Jalen Massey's had a heck of a year for Linda. And he's, he's rushed for over 1,300 yards. He's their leading receiver with uh, just over 430 yards and eight touchdowns. And, you know, in most years, that's going to get you a lot of like a lot of the headlines. But when Tanner Heckle comes in and do, does what Tanner Heckle's done, uh, <laughs> you kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. But Heckle's just, just been tremendous this year. Uh, uh, over 2,000 yards rushing with 46 rushing touchdowns, uh, over 1,000 yards passing, 19 touchdowns passing. So that's 65 touchdowns he's accounted for on offense. And oh, by the way, he's he's returned three interceptions for touchdowns this year among the seven interceptions he's had. So uh, Tanner Heckle's been a difference maker for Linden this year as they get to their first state championship game. So I, yeah, I think that could be one of those fun uh, back and forth. Uh, who who's going to have the ball last? You know, we saw Wichita County and Little River do that a few years ago. We've seen that a couple times uh, where it's kind of you know been that great shootout game in the eight man championship game. And Ricky, you're going to have a lot of fun watching that one you might run out of uh right run run out of space on your camera card and you might run out of space on the notebook to write down all the scoring plays and stats but uh that should be a fun one to watch and that'll be the uh kickoff game at at newton this year they they kick off at 11 a.m so they'll be the first ones on the field for state championship saturday and then later on in the day in eight player division two we'll have two-time defending champion axtell you know 12 and 0 going up against the really the, the biggest Cinderella left in the playoffs uh, in the championship game, South Central, the Timberwolves there. Uh, they come in 9-3 and three into the 330 championship game. And Ricky, uh, you know, South Central was a team I, I think pretty much everybody was sleeping on all year. I don't think they really had much notoriety, really didn't garner a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of you know, buzz about them. You know, you start 0-2 and, and, and you lost to, lost to Meade, lost to Sublette, and they were close games, but – you start 0-2 and, and are 2-3 and three after five games, and, and then all of a sudden South Central's found a different gear and, and really has turned it on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, that that uh, slow start and talking to Coach uh, Brett Westrup about that, um, you know, he said they, they overhauled pretty much everything. They changed their offense, changed their defense, and it just took a while um, you know, to kind of get their footing, um, you know, like, like you said, they, you know, they start off with the loss and it's a good mead team and then, uh, you know, have a rough, have a rough game against Sublette and drop that one. Um, you know, then they kind of get it going a little bit and then lose to South Barber in the middle of the season. And after that, they've just been on fire. I mean, it's been a really, really good story. I mean, um, 
you know, to go into Victoria and do what they did, not a lot of teams, you know, have done that. Obviously, Victoria is a really tradition-rich rich program, and they brought a great crowd. I mean, this is, this is just an exciting time for that community. That's This is their first time uh, since South Central was formed that they're in the state championship game. I believe it was uh, the school was was uh, was formed in 1999 um, with the uh, – you know, with the consolidation of protection and, and cold water. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, they're, I think they're kind of playing with, ha- with house money. I mean, that, and they've, they've kind of, that's kind of been their mindset is, you know, no one gave us a, gave us a chance. We can play free. We can play loose. Um, you know, against Victoria, um, their pressure gave Victoria fits. I mean, Victoria threw five interceptions and I think they lost three fumbles. Um, and it, it wasn't just Victoria, you know, being loose with the ball. It was South Central, you know, creating those turnovers. I mean, they really, they really uh, kind of wrecked havoc there. Uh, but, you know, just a really good core for them. Um, you know, I was really impressed with their quarterback. He's, he's a hard-nosed runner, JT Peruza. Uh, Gavin Ewell, Isaiah Jellison. I mean, they they have a lot of really good athletes. So, um, you know, like I said, they know they know they're going to be the underdogs against uh, against Axtell, but um, you know they're going to come in loose and, and see what they can do. And and Brent, it's obviously Axtell's just been on an incredible run here. Yeah, South Central would be maybe playing with house money, but guess what? The house typically wins no matter if you've got house money or not. And so uh, I, I would call Axtell the house right now because they have built something up there that has just been incredible, you know, the past uh, past couple of years and, and going into this year. You know, they, they're up, the owners of the longest winning streak in the state, active winning streak right now. It's up to 38 games. So, you know, they're starting to hit that, that area where you can put them in that that same category with the Andale with Smith center with Colgan and Conway, these teams that, that had these monstrous winning streaks because Axtell's right there. And then what they're doing right now is just impressive. You know, in their first game of the year, they really had a gut check from care Paravel. It's 44, 44 going into the fourth quarter of that game. And uh, Axtell pulls out a 60, 60 to 44 victory there. And since then, so they give up 44 points to care Paravel in the opener. They've given up 44 points in their last 11 games combined. So they've given up 88 points all year, which in, in eight-man football is is truly insane. Uh, just dominating performances by their team, you know. They and they're young too. All their all their skill players are are guys that really came in and contributed heavily as freshmen and really kind of pushed them over the top to get that title two years ago. Last year as sophomores, obviously key pieces, and now this year they're the guys that took over. When uh, when Axel graduated, top eleven pick Isaac Detweiler is their quarterback. But Brandon Smelzel has stepped in and just had a great year at quarterback. Uh, thrown for fifteen hundred yards, twenty nine touchdowns, no interceptions. So if if South Central is going to get some pressure, uh, this guy looks kind of unflappable back there. And you know that that'll be interesting to see if they can they can force him to make mistakes because he hasn't made any. Um, he's also run for 670 yards and 17, 17 touchdowns. And, they're, you know, their numbers just aren't going to blow you away. You know, Schmelzel's their leading carrier with 676 yards. They got 602 yards, 276. But you look at it, uh, Landon Schmitz, 11 carries, 7 touchdowns. Joe Leibarger, 7 carries, 3 touchdowns. Eli Broxman, 34 carries, 13 touchdowns. They're just efficient. They make the most of, of what they're doing. Uh, you know, they're – 
their backup quarterback has 14, 14 of 18 for the season. Brandon's 85 of 102 for the season passing the ball. So, I mean, they just don't make mistakes. They don't do anything to beat themselves. And they just are right now, I mean, they're they're the power in, in football. Uh, I would love to see Axel against Wichita County or Linden. I think that would be a tremendous game. And I, I think this will be an intriguing final just with South Central being there. But uh, I think if we've seen anything from Axel, when they get when they get out to Newton, uh, they know how to turn it on and, and take it up even another notch from what they what they do in the regular season. So Axel going for its third straight state championship. Uh, they're 12 and 0. South Central 9 and 3. That game will be at 3:30 at Newton. And then the last of the state championship games will be six six player out in Dodge City. And this will be uh, you know another uh, uh, the second official state championship for for six man football. We had the Wild West Bowl that crowned it until it became uh, sanctioned by Keisha. Last year's champion Cunningham. Uh, they're back again this year. They got they took a loss to Ashland in the season opener, but they've run the table since. And they'll take on Shy Lynn, which is undefeated and is number one team going into state and has looked extremely impressive all season long. And we'll go ahead and start with Shy Lynn. You know, they were they were champions in the Wild West Bowl a few years back, and uh, and when they had a, a, a older McCarty boy, and now they've got the younger McCarty boy, Logan McCarty, and. And uh, they, they look every bit as powerful as that team that won the title a few years back uh, in the Wild West Bowl. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and talking to their coach, Chris Walden, you know, that was such a huge moment for that community to win that Wild West Bowl. Uh, you know, and he said, you know, the kids are just as excited this year as they were back then. He said for him, you know, this one has a little bit more importance. Uh, you know, Shylands never had Acacia State Championship in, in anything, so they they would really really enjoy enjoy this moment if they were able to get that that first one. Um, you know, they the the big thing for them was uh, you know their biggest matchups came in three week three and week four in the regular season. Um, you know, they got big a big win against Northern Valley and then uh, you know beat Ashland uh, handily, and then after that. Um, you know they they really didn't see the comp they really didn't see a lot of competition they really weren't tested until last week when they meet up when they met up against Ashland again and that was a good game uh, for the first half I think it was 22-14 at halftime I believe and uh, you know and talking to Coach Walden they just um, Shyland just wore was able to wear wear Ashland down uh, down the stretch. Um, their passing game it was just incredible. Uh, Logan McCarty finished with uh, I think like 364 yards passing or something like that. Um, you know he's got a really good receiving really good receiving options and Pablo Bermudez and and uh, Brady Ketzner. Uh, yeah, they've 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 looked like the favorite all year long. Um, you know, they've they've really they've really been putting putting up big numbers, and uh, you know, it, I think this will be a pretty intriguing matchup. Uh, you know, in the in the title game, partly because they haven't met met up with Cunningham in the last last two years. Both those teams have had you know really good programs, and I think that's going to be um, you know an exciting matchup. And, and Scott, maybe you can speak a little bit more to to Cunningham. Obviously, you know they uh, you know lost some key weapons off that team, but they returned a, a, a lot of really solid options as well. Yeah, they came back. It, you mentioned the losses. They lost their quarterback, Trey DeWeese, and, and a real good uh, tight end in Lane Halderson last year off that state championship team. Uh, but Cunningham's another one of those programs that is 
that you know flourished in the Wild West Bowl era. If any, you know, they they were the runner-ups in that game a, a couple years ago, and and that program's just been really solid since uh, you know they they went through a period where they they tried or did some consolidation with Kingman for a few seasons, uh, broke back off under their own on in, I think in 2019, and and have had a lot of good success. That uh, last year's team had 20, 20 players on it, which is a, a good roster size for six man or six player, and they have eighteen this year. So uh, you know that. That's given them some depth, and and uh, you know they have bounced back. They lost that game to Ashland in the opener, and and I guess if you go comparing scores, uh, you know especially after Shyland uh, beats Ashland the other night, maybe I would agree with you. I think that makes Shyland probably the favorite in this game. But but uh, Cunningham did bring back a lot. Uh, Lance McGuire, the coach, is his son uh, Luke McGuire is having a good senior season as a halfback, and and uh, they've got some other we- they've got a unique weapon in, in Dagham Reed, a junior. Uh, a junior place kicker, which in six player, you know, the extra points are worth two and the field goals are worth four. And that's, you know, that's a weapon. I think they have maybe, you know, maybe an advantage they might have over most teams. Uh, you know, you mentioned Shyland went through a long period without getting tested. And that's kind of been the case with Cunningham since that Ashland game. They've, they've rolled, they had eight consecutive shutouts. Uh, I think they've given up six points uh, in each of the last two playoff games, uh, but just very dominant. And I think that really kind of adds to the intrigue uh, I, I would say yes. I would agree with you. Shylin's the favorite, but but you you've got one of those 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 proud champions who's trying to defend, and I think that can add the element to, to make that a pretty good game here on Saturday. Absolutely, another uh, another great matchup. So we have Shylin versus Cunningham in in the six man division, and so that's all of our championships. Uh, it's going to be a chilly Saturday, boys. Uh, we better bundle up and pray we don't get any uh, precipitation to go with those cold we- that cold weather. But uh, uh, should make for a great uh, Saturday as long as we you know don't have that ice bowl that we had like a few years back where I remember trying to drive down to Hutchinson from Topeka. Uh, I believe they took on Collegiate that year. Rossville and Collegiate were in that game, and it was it was slippery sliding all the way from Topeka all the way down to Hutch. So. Uh, I can take the cold as long as you don't have that ice to go along with it. So uh, our state championship matchups in Class 6A, it's Derby versus Gardner-Edgerton. Class 5A, Mill Valley versus Cape and Mount Carmel. Class 4A, St. Thomas Aquinas versus Andover Central. Class 3A, Hayden versus Cheney. Class 2A, Nemaha Central versus Hoisington. Class 1A, Jefferson County North versus Conway Springs. Eight-player Division One, Linden versus Wichita County. Eight-player Division Two, Axel versus South Central. And then in six-player, you have Cunningham versus Shylin. And that's your championship Saturday. All games kick off at 1 o'clock except for the eight-player games. You got an 11 a.m. kick for the Division One, 3.30 kick for Division Two, And then that will put the wraps on the football season for 2023. And we'll come back in a couple weeks and recap the championships and uh, – and then kind of look ahead to the winter sports that uh, we've already started putting out content on Keisha Covered our website. Uh, we've already had our swimmers preview, swimmers to watch. We're cranking out some wrestling this week. Come back at you with basketball next week. And so for Mac Moore, Ricky Peterson, and Scott Pass, this is Brent Maycock saying thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Keisha Covered podcast brought to you by Cat Fed True Blue.